0: 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I'm going to begin at verse 1, and I'm going to finish at verse number 18, so just bear with me, amen, hallelujah, I'm going to read all the scripture now, and then we're just going to go, amen, hallelujah, Jesus, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning at verse number 1, when you have it, shout amen, this is the apostle Paul speaking, amen, to the church at Corinth. Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistle. Epistle meaning letter. I know that most of you know that, hallelujah, but some people think that epistle is the wife of an apostle. And I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page here. Epistle is a letter. Amen? You are our epistle written on our hearts, known and read of all men. For as much as ye are, watch this, manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written, I want you to catch this now, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on or not in tables of stone, you know what that's talking about, right? But in fleshly tablets of the heart. Next verse. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Hallelujah. Who also have made us able ministers of the New Testament, not, hear this again, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter killeth, but the spirit Give it life. But if the ministration of death, listen to what he's calling the law, but if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory, watch this now, was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the spirit be rather, one translation says, more glorious. Next verse. For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect, by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious i'm almost there seeing that we have such hope we use great plainness of speech and not as moses i like the niv because the niv says we are not like moses let me say that one more time we are not like moses and not as moses which put a veil over his face That the children of Israel, watch this now, could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. He was covering that which was passing away. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, somebody shout this day. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken. There it is. I didn't make a word up. Untaken away. In the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory even as by the spirit of the Lord. Woo! We just read a whole chapter, saints, pretty much. Hallelujah. That's a lot of reading. And I just want to continue a part two to the series we just started called Untaken. Untaken. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord God, in advance for your word. We pray that it ministers to every heart, every mind, every spirit under the sound of my voice. Edify your people today. Set somebody free in their mind today, Lord God. Hallelujah. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen hallelujah what I want to do very quickly hallelujah is I want to go down the list of things I gave you for part one because since you weren't here since we didn't talk about it last week I feel like you need a little recap I'm not going to recap I'm just going to give you the points amen just in case you didn't get them you get them really quickly hallelujah and then I got to dive into what I have today or I won't finish hallelujah so show me point number one real quick hallelujah I just want to remind them of these notes the first place the spirit of religion attacks is your head The first place the spirit of religion attacks is your head. The enemy loves to hang out in what you don't know about God. My people are destroyed for a lack of what, saints? Knowledge. This is why you have to wear the helmet of salvation at all times. I wish I could talk some more about it, but I can't. Next point. Hallelujah. Or sub-point. A religious spirit will not comprehend grace and mercy. A religious spirit will not comprehend grace nor mercy. Give me the next one. The religious trust in themselves and despise others. A religious spirit is always looking down on people as though they were better than those people. Amen. I gave you examples of that last week through the scriptures. Amen. If you, if, if you weren't here the week before last, I'm sorry, make sure you get that CD. Amen. The religious rather see you pay than see you pardoned. They rather see you pay than see you pardoned. Amen. They're into exposure, Not restoration. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, They'll take a prodigal son and discipline him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, But that's not what Jesus does. He restores them. Amen? Next one. Religion is ineffective in assisting your progression. You have a religious spirit. Don't expect to move forward. Amen? Give me the next point. Hallelujah. Oh, God, have mercy in here. You can't be religious and free. I'm sorry. You can't do both. You're either free or you're not. But you're not bound and free. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're not religious and free at the same time. He who the son says free is free indeed. You're either free or you are not. Let me see the next sub point. Unveil faces, see glory by looking through a mirror, not a magnifying glass. A religious spirit is always looking at others. Somebody who's really growing in glory always looks at themselves first. They see and taste glory through a mirror. Amen? Because they look at themselves first. But the religious look at others and they do it with a magnifying glass. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh man. Next one, because I can't I can't do it. Okay. The protocols of the law were observed on the other side of the veil where the glory was not. I'm gonna read that one more time because I'm gonna hang my nail right here. The protocols of the law were observed on the other side of the veil where the glory was not. How many of you know that the glory was on? the inside of the veil. In other words, in a place called the most holy place or the holies of holies. All these protocols to the law were absorbed on the other side of the veil where the glory was not. You guys got that so far? Listen to me. God challenges Moses to build a tabernacle, to build the tabernacle. Amen. And there is a twofold reason why God tells Moses to build this tabernacle. Number 1 is to show the people how God moves. That's number 1, to show them how I move. Number 2, watch this, he wanted them to understand that the tabernacle was not just an architectural design, but it was also an illustration of how God built man. It was also an illustration on how God made man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, boy. Notice that the tabernacle was a temple that moved. And man is a temple that moves. Amen? Notice that the tabernacle had three parts. An outer court, an inner court or an inner place, and then the most holy place. Three parts. Did you not know that you had three parts? You have an outer court, which is your flesh. Come on, somebody. You have an inner court or an inner place which is your soul. It's where your mind and your emotion and your will is. And then if you are in Christ, you have a third dimension called the spirit. When you study the tabernacle, God hung out in one of the three places. He hung out in the third dimension. And I want to submit to you that even when it comes to your body, he's hanging out in the third dimension. He communicates to you, spirit to spirit. Are you in this place so far? It lets me know that not only does God move, but God moves in threes. If you ever study your Bible, I mean really study your Bible, you will understand that your God is a God that moves in threes. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Uh, And I could just go on. You know, the, the, The Bible talks about the first heaven, the second heaven, and the third heaven. The Bible talks about... Thirtyfold, sixtyfold, one fold Are you in this place, church? Let me let me break that. Can I break that down a little further? I feel it. Uh, when Jesus speaks to the multitude, that's the large crowd. Notice what he does, he always speaks to them in parables. That's 30fold. But when he speaks to the 12 disciples, he speaks to them in mysteries. That's 60fold. But when he takes the three up on the mountain, he reveals his glory. That's a hundredfold. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. Watch this. When you study the Old Testament, you're going to notice that they, 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 they kept a lot of feasts. But there were three main feasts. Are you with me, church? There were three main feasts. The first one is the Passover. The Passover is 30-fold because the Passover is about the blood. Put the blood on the doorpost. That's how you come in. That's 30 and then, watch this, there's the Feast of Pentecost. That's where you get filled with the Holy Ghost. That's 64. One of the mistakes that we make is that we think that's all there is. But when you study Hallelujah Pentecost, you find out that when you fill with the Holy Spirit, that's just the engagement. That's just the down payment. That's what the, the Bible refers to as the earnest. That's amazing, but that's not everything. And then there's, watch this, the Feast of Tabernacle. Uh, some of it refer to it as the, tr- the Feast of Trumpets. Amen. And that's talking about, watch this, uh, us forever being in his sight with him. Ah, that's talking about his return. That's talking about a new heaven. That's talking about a new earth. You think it's good now? It's about to get real good, saints. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? That is a hundredfold. God speaks to us in threes. When God gives us revelation, he gives it to us in levels of threes. There's milk for the baby. There's bread for the young one. And then there's meat for the adult for the mature are you in this place church watch this i like the way the apostle paul put it the apostle paul put it like this at a place in the bible he said i speak to you children that's 34 and then you young men that's 64 and then you fathers that's 100 fold are you following me watch this the bible talks about hallelujah first the blade then the ear then the full ear of corn And if you know anything, that's harvest. If you don't know anything about harvest, just stay with me for a second. But watch this. You're not supposed to eat the corn until you have the full ear of corn. And I wonder if I got those kind of people in here, hallelujah. Because the people who are ready for the full ear of corn are people, hallelujah, who 34 won't feed you no more. They're people who are on another level, hallelujah, watch this, and 64 won't feed you no more. Because 30 and 60, watch this, is milk and bread. And you realize you can get that in prison. I'm ready for somebody to give me some meat. I came to church today on a weekday so the pastor could give me something I could chew on. Is that anybody in this place? Is that anybody in this place? Come on, talk back to me, church. Hallelujah. Why, when you talk about baptisms, Hallelujah. Watch this. You, you have. Watch this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have the baptism of water, and then you have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not the same as the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And when I, without being even too deep, hallelujah, even grammatically, they cannot be the same. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The baptism, watch this, of the Holy Spirit is when you repent. When you repent, watch this, and you give your heart to Jesus, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ. After you are baptized into the body of Christ, then you are baptized in water after you are baptized in water jesus baptizes you with the holy spirit and fire are you in this place church it is wednesday night are you blessed in here oh god have mercy in here you see god moving in threes all throughout the bible can i give you a little more before i move on david had three anointings i say he had three anointings He was anointed by Samuel, hallelujah. His first anointing, watch this, was for ruling over lions and bears. Lions and bears, hallelujah. His second anointing, the people anointed him, watch this, to be king over Judah. His third anointing, the people came back and anointed him to be the king of all of Israel. Not just one tribe. Do you understand what I'm saying? First for lions and bears. Look at the progression. Then for one tribe. And then for all the tribes. 30, 60, 104. Are you in this place? All right, let me give you some more. Joseph had more than one coat. See, most most of you only can relate to one coat. And that was the coat of many colors. But Joseph had more coats. Joseph had a coat of many colors, hallelujah. And that coat was given to him by his father Jacob so he could rule over ten brothers. Hello, law. I'm going to leave that alone. Hallelujah. Watch this. And then he was, and you think that's his only coat, but that's not his only coat. Then he's given another coat. It's given by Potiphar. And now he's not just ruling over ten brothers. He's ruling over a whole house. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Called Potiphar's house. And you know he got another coat. Hallelujah. Because when Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, she kept that coat in her hand. That was the second coat. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Uh-oh. I think like I'm losing somebody. Watch this. And if that wasn't enough, then he goes into Pharaoh's courts hallelujah and then he becomes second in command of all of egypt and pharaoh gives him another coat 30 60 100 fold do i got a church in here tonight My God, have mercy in here. Let me talk to you. Let me give you one more. Ruth, hallelujah. Ruth is gleaning in a field. She's begging, and the Bible says she's picking up leftovers. Hallelujah. She's gleaning in a field. They're leaving leftovers for her. Hallelujah. That's 34. If that's not enough, a man named Boaz sees her and says, man, she's kind of cute. And then tells the man, leave handfuls on purpose for her. And she stumbles into it. That's 60 fold. And if that's not enough, she marries Boaz. And now she owns the whole field. 30, 60, 100 fold. You serve a God that moves in threes. Hallelujah. I'm not so sure you want to have church today. Hallelujah. Are you blessed in here, church? This tabernacle that we're talking about had three parts An outer court, an inner court, and of holy of holies. You have three three parts. Body, soul, and spirit. Amen? Amen. Outside the veil were all these things you needed to do to qualify for what was behind the veil. On this side of the veil, you had to do all these things in order to qualify for something that was Behind the veil. Are you in this place church? That was the summation of the law. It was the protocols. You know the protocols. Saints listen. Let me name them for you. The feast. The diets. Yes the diets. The fabrics. The washings. The calendar days. The burnings. The Sabbaths. Come on somebody. All these things had to be observed. On the other side of the veil. Where the glory of God was not stay with me church hallelujah this is why religion can't heal you i said this is why religion can't heal you because religion operates on the wrong side of the veil where there is no glory where there is no presence where there is no power That's why they can't, you don't see, show me one place in the Bible where a Pharisee or a Sadducee or a religious spirit did a miracle or healed somebody. And you're not going to find it, hallelujah. As a matter of fact, what they did was they they went to Jesus and said, give us another sign. Show us a sign. On one occasion, they brought a blind man to Jesus and they said, "Here, Jesus. Do something with him. And you know what Jesus did? Jesus said, I will. Grab them by the hand and move them away from that spirit. You don't hear what I'm saying. Took him out of the city and then he touched them and then he healed him. Because watch this. Everything doesn't happen everywhere. I learned that a couple of weeks ago. I said everything doesn't happen everywhere. Hallelujah. There's, listen, I've learned, hallelujah, that mentality can hinder the anointing. I said mentality Can hinder the anointing. Jesus goes to his hometown called Nazareth. And in Nazareth, the Bible says he could not. It didn't say that he would not. It said that he could not do but one or two miracles in Nazareth. Now, you don't get more anointed than Jesus. When you want to talk about anointing, Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ means anointing. Or the anointed one. You can't be more anointed than the anointing itself. And Jesus gets in a city where the mentality hinders the anointing. And Jesus could only heal but one or two people because of their mentality. In the story I just mentioned, he had to pull a man out of a spirit of religiosity so that then he can heal him. Because in the presence of that spirit, hallelujah, healing don't take place. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. I'm coming after that spirit today. I hope you're ready for me. Hallelujah. Watch this. On the the other side of the veil, they didn't need to observe that. Everything they observed out here, they did not have to observe in here. Because in here was the glory. In here was the mercy seat. In here was the Shekinah. Uh, in here was the presence of God. Hallelujah. You know the thing that, that gets me when I study this out is that if you ever saw the outer court, that's where the most people were. Most people are stuck on 34. In the outer court. Where the only light you get is Natural. I said, well, the only light that comes is natural. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you get in to the inner place, hallelujah, there's light in there, but it's not natural. It's light that comes by way of oil. It's light that comes, hallelujah, through inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? And there are less people in the inner place. But when you get to the holies of holies, there's only room for one. One plus God. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? If you're blessed, shall glory. Glory. I mentioned this last week, but it's worth mentioning again. Hallelujah. Paul gives us an explanation of the law. And he tells us in Galatians. And I I ain't got time to turn. Get last week's, uh, uh, the week before last, the CD. I gave you the text. Hallelujah. In Galatians. Where he says, watch this. The law was our schoolmaster. The law was our schoolmaster. One translation says, the law was our tutor. In other words, listen to what he's saying. Hallelujah. He's saying, the law was not the teacher. The law was that thing that guided you to the teacher, who is Jesus Christ. Are you with me so far? The law, in other words, was like, watch this, not the teacher, but the bus driver. Uh, The law was the one that picked you up and carried you to the teacher. One translation used the word tutor. I like the word tutor, amen? Because if you know anything about a tutor, a tutor uh, comes, let's say you are struggling with math. You know, that's, not, that's one of my least favorite subjects, amen? You're struggling with math, hallelujah. A tutor comes, a tutor is coming, watch this now, uh, for a time. Let me just say that one more time. A tutor is coming for a time. And that tutor is coming to give you insight that you did not have. It's not that you don't have information, but the tutor has insight that's going to help you understand, hallelujah, How to work it so that when he's not around, you can work it for yourself. Are you in this place? The tutor does not take the test for you. And the tutor is not your daddy. I said, and the tutor is not your daddy. Watch this. We are not like Moses. These people always talk like Moses was their daddy. And Jesus said, I'm Moses' daddy. Moses is not your daddy. I spoke through Moses to you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm your daddy. Moses just drove the bus. That brought you to your daddy. Are you in this place, church? If you're doing all right, shout glory. Watch this. So here's the challenge, saints. Here's the challenge. Put my next point up there. Put the next one up there. Let me see what I got after this. Watch this. To remove the veil, one must move from practice to principles. To remove the veil, one must move from practice to principles. In other words, the idea of the practice was so that you can extract the principle. See, because a lot of times what we have is information, but what we need is revelation. A lot of times we have the info, but we don't have the precept. We don't have God's mind on the matter. We read the text, hallelujah, but we don't have the original intent of God concerning why he wrote the text in the first place. This is why Jesus often found himself arguing with religious people saying, you say this, but I say, are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Watch this, you need to extract the principle from the practice so that you can get to the presence. You have to extract the principle from the practice so that you can get to his presence. Some of us can't get to his presence because all we've mastered is practice. I'm going to say that one more time. Some of us can't get to his presence because all we've mastered is practice amen somebody and so we have people who have mastered practices thinking watch this that they have righteousness by what they did right not understanding that the new testament teaches us that righteousness is by faith I said righteousness is by faith can I say something else in here forgiveness is not a feeling I'm gonna say that one more time I said forgiveness is not a feeling." And what a spirit of religion will do is make you feel guilty until you feel forgiven. And a spirit of religion will work on you and make you feel guilty and guilty and guilty and guilty until you get to a place where you you feel forgiven. But forgiveness is not a feeling. Oh God, have mercy in here. You don't get saved so you can uphold what you did right. When you get, listen, when you get saved, hallelujah, hopefully what happens is that you move from practice to principle. And then from principle to presence. From presence to power. And from power to his person. Are you he- That's what's supposed to happen, hallelujah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Religion will keep you on the practice. When in essence, the practice was so that you can extract a principle that would take you to his presence, then to his power, then to his person. Are you blessed in here? So understand, watch this, that a religious spirit is born from those who have mastered practice. Those that have mastered practice. Can I be real in here? If we were in Moses' day and I was gonna go in there, I needed to be a high priest, amen? Not only did I need to be a high priest, I need to dress a certain way to qualify to go in there. And I had to have linen on. If I had polyester on and went in there, you know what would happen to me? I would die. If I went in there with a pair of skinny jeans on, (laughs) I would die, watch this, because that was the practice. But the practice was meant, watch this, for me to extract a principle that is far deeper. In other words, watch this, in other words, The practice of wearing visible garments was so that I can extract a principle about invisible garments. God help me in here. I said the practice of wearing visible garments was for me to extract a principle about invisible garments. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I have my garments on right now. That's why I ain't scared of none of y'all. I said I have them on right now. Just in case you don't know what those garments are called. They are called the armor of God. They're not visible. They're invisible. Hallelujah. But I can wear them tighter. Hallelujah. And they're more powerful than the garments you wear that are visible and so the practice hallelujah listen God would rather have you wear your armor his armor let me clear that up than you wear all white I said God would rather you wear his armor which is invisible than you wear all white to try to let everybody know how spiritual you are it was a practice somebody shall practice so that you can extract a principle that took you to his presence. I think it's my next point, actually. Hallelujah. Put it up there very quickly. Spiritual attire is greater than physical attire. You look at what I have on visibly and say what you want, but I'm dressed in the spirit. Ooh, God have mercy in here. Hallelujah. Listen, the practice coached us into the principle, and the principle takes us into his presence. Why do you need principles to get to his presence? Listen, Jesus comes up to a woman at a well. You know this story, John chapter 4. And he tells her, watch this, after he calls her out. You know he tells her all her business, because Jesus can do that. He can get all up in your kitchen. Yes, he can. He told her, she said, she he said, he said, get your husband. She said, I she said, I ain't married. He said, I know you're not. You've been married five times, and the one you're with right now, y'all ain't even married. Y'all cohabiting. Shacking. It's a contemporary term. This is what he tells her. And she says, Watch this now. I perceive that thou art a prophet. So when she notices that he's spiritual, she wants to become spiritual. And so she says, we worship on the mountain. In essence, what she's saying is, that's our practice. And Jesus said, you worship what you don't know. Because if all you do is master a practice, you've never been in his presence. So you worship what you don't know. Because, watch this, the number one object of a religious spirit is to keep you from knowing God. I said the number one objective of a religious spirit is to keep you from knowing God for yourself. Religious and relationship don't go together. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place, church? Mmm. Wants to keep you from knowing God. Put my next one up here. This one's going to mess you up. Religion will keep you from knowing God and keep you from knowing that you don't know him. I'm going to read it one more time until it hits your spirit. Amen. Religion will keep you from knowing God and also keep you from knowing that you don't know him. Oh. You think you know him because you got practices down packed. You don't know him. You know about him. This is why Jesus told those same Pharisees, watch this. You think you search the scriptures thinking that in them you have eternal life. But the scriptures testify of me. But you won't come to me to receive life. You don't know me. Oh God. Just because you can quote scripture. Don't mean you know him. You know about him. The apostle Paul put it to you. Put it like this. He said I reckon everything I know. As dung. And I hope I don't have to define that in here. As dung. D-U-N-G. Waste. excretion." Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? He said, everything I have learned up until now, all my pharmaceutical knowledge, all my progress in religion, I had to throw it out. Watch this. That I may know him. I had to forget all those things that are behind me. God, help me in here. I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, taught by the best, thought that I was doing the will of God. I was practicing, but I didn't know him. I didn't meet him until he knocked me to the ground on the way, hallelujah, to Damascus. And it was there where I met him. And in order to walk with him, the first thing I had to lose was all my religion. Some of y'all ain't saying nothing. Y'all looking at me funny because you still got a little bit in you. But that's all right. I'm going to pull it out. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Root pulling is a hard job. Anybody watch this next week. I got a video for you. I wanted to do it today, but I just didn't have time. But I already got a video. I got a video for you next week. I'm going to show you, hallelujah, how hard it is to pull roots. Amen. Nobody really wants that job. I don't want it unless God gives me a mandate or an anointing for it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because the hardest thing to get rid of is the first things you were taught. I said, the hardest thing to get rid of is the first things you were taught. You show somebody through the word it's wrong, it's erroneous, you were taught incorrectly, and they say, I believe my pastor. And I honor your respect for your pastor, but you still need to check the scriptures. I say you still need to check the scriptures. You don't just believe what any man tells you. You got to check the scripture for yourself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because listen, it is possible for you to be rooted in the wrong thing. And once you've invested 20 years in the wrong thing, you don't just want to come out of that. You hope that it's true. <laughs> You'll fight to try to defend that erroneous teaching. But it will contradict the word of God. Amen. But it all comes down to the veil that you read your Bible through. Because the text that we read said, till this day, when they read Moses, the veil remains. And so we're all reading the same word, but we're not all reading it through the same veil. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? If you're blessed, shall glory. You know about him. You don't know him. Just because you've mastered a practice does not mean that you know him. Moses seen God do plenty and still got to a place where he said, show me your glory. I'm like, what? The religious people always coming up to Jesus asking for a sign. Multiply more bread. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. It, 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 You'll be amazed how religious we can actually be. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You hear somebody say something like it's spiritual and, and, and talk about, I still, have, I still have my palm leaf from 10, <laughs> from 10 Palm Sunday services ago, 10 years ago. I still got the palm leaf from a 10 year old service. And I got it in my car under the driver's passenger seat. Can I help you in here? Take it out. Take it out. It probably stinks. And it's all dried up by now. Can I help you in here? That ain't bringing you any extra angelic help. That ain't bringing you any extra blessings from the Lord. Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? That's just ridiculous because those same people that had palm leaves in their hands and were screaming Hosanna, three days later, those same people were saying, crucify him and give us Barabbas. The same people. If anything, hallelujah, it shows you an example, hallelujah, of people who are unsteady. Who will turn on you in a minute. Who will shut you down one Sunday, and then two, days, two Sundays later, you say something they don't like. I ain't going over there no more. Are you hearing me, church? It's ridiculous. Those same people betrayed Jesus. You think that he sees that as spirituality, and Jesus, in essence, is saying, please don't even remind me of that. You're supposed to go from practice to principles, from principles to presence, from presence to power, from power to person. So watch this. Let me see my next point. I think it's the next one. Yeah, give me the next one. Until the veil is removed, the glory cannot be revealed. Listen, the presence is on this side, which means that the power is on this side why is power so important because watch this without power there is no ability for you to be transformed from the inside I said without power you cannot be transformed from the inside and since religion works watch this on this side of the veil they know they ain't got no power So that what they got to do is they got to dress you up to make you look like you got power. To hide the reality that is you ain't got no power. So what religion does is it changes you from the outside. So you can disguise the fact that there's no power on the inside. Or that transformation has not taken place on the inside. Only... On the outside. Mm. Amen? But Jesus was never fooled by a disguise. You can fool people, but you can't fool Jesus. I said you can't because Jesus can sense power. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? This is why, watch this, next week I'm going to talk to you about the eight woes of Christ. The eight woes of Christ. Matthew 23, Christ gave the Pharisees eight woes. Woe unto you, who? Woe unto you, who? Woe unto you, who? And he just begins to, my God, you're never going to see Jesus upset like he's upset at religious people. Can I mess you up in here? Let me mess you up. (laughs) Did a little research, right? And this is what I found out. You know how many times Jesus rebuked the Pharisees and the Sadducees in your Bible? You ready for this? 79 times. 79 times he let the religious spirit have it. And he didn't hold back. Watch this. You want to know how many times he rebuked his disciples? Six times. Watch this now. In three and a half years. And most of them was to Peter. I ain't even lying. It's the truth. Most of them were to Peter. I would say like five. The rest of them only got one rebuke. Watched it 79 times to the religious people, only six times to the church. And it was because somebody was unsteady. So it's amazing to me why I see so much rebuke going on in churches. Oh boy. You want Okay, let me give you another one. Do you want to know how many times Jesus rebuked a sinner? You ready? Not once. Oh, I'm messing you up. All you scholars are going, wait a, minute, wait a 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 minute. Not once will you see Jesus directly rebuke a sinner. You will see Jesus ask them to repent and then restore them but not rebuke them. Oh, I got you thinking now. Not one, but the religious people. Seventy-nine. No, come on, pastor. Go check it for yourself. Wow, all right, let me give you an example. I'm on my notes now. Let me give you an example real quick. Watch this. They brought a woman to Jesus. You know the story, you know the story. Caught in the act of adultery. She was caught sinning, okay? They brought her to Jesus, watch this, and said, Jesus, Moses said, now remember, we are not like Moses, watch this, Moses said, see, the reason religion cannot fix their eyes on Jesus is because they're too focused on Moses, Moses said, now watch this, Here you have religious folks, the Pharisees, who brought her to Jesus, and they got rocks in their hands. Amen, somebody. And a woman caught in the act of sin. So here you have a sinner, and here you have religious people. Who does Jesus rebuke? Come on, church. Who does he rebuke? They came up to him with rocks in their hands and said, Moses said, we need to stone her. And Jesus didn't say, oh, Moses said that. Give me one. Let me throw the first one. Because she's sinning and we don't play that in holiness country. He did not do that. Come on, saints. Oh, I'm out of time. I, I, the first time I look at that clock. Let me wrap this up. Listen, not, he did not rebuke her. He rebuked them. He said, let the first one of you who is without sin cast the first stone. You know what he was, he was writing in the dirt as to say, I got dirt on all of y'all. He wrote dirt. Listen, he wrote a line in the dirt, and he was the only one on the right side of that line. Because he's the only one that's sinless. Everybody else was on the other side of that line. And he said, the first one of you who is without sin, go ahead and hit her. None of them could do it. What does he do? I, well, you better catch this. What does he do? Watch this. He comes up to her and he says, where are you accusers now? I have none. She said, neither do I accuse you. Watch this now. Go. And sin no more. Now I can challenge you not to sin. Why? Because I just removed you. Out of an atmosphere of religiosity. I had to remove you from the spirit of religiosity. So that then you can have the opportunity to get free. Once I removed you out of that atmosphere. Now you can find me. And if you can find me. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now the power of sin don't have you. Ooh, Jesus. Are you blessed in here? We are not like Moses. Let me land the plane. Let me land the plane. In other words, watch this. The Bible says that Moses came down and covered. The reality of that which was passing away so that the people wouldn't see it. But we are not like Moses. We don't need to put something over us to prevent people from seeing what happened when we were with God. I don't need to put something on me to hide the fact that I have not been spending time with God. But I still, make, I still need to make you think I was. By the way I'm dressed. God help me in this place. Can I submit to you that Jesus didn't step down 40 plus generations to establish a dress code? Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. Talking about, I can't do it, man. I wish I could do it the way I feel it. Hallelujah. Talking about, talking about you, 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 you. Talking about a woman can't wear pants. They didn't even have pants in those days. Can I help you in here? They wore robes. Everybody wore robes in those days without getting too deep. Hallelujah. They all had robes. And so what happened was that the robes all looked alike. So what they would do is that they would challenge the men to wear a certain color and the woman to wear a certain color to differentiate the two. Hallelujah. If you're wearing, if you're wearing pants and as long as they are girl pants, they're not the same as man pants. And so you wear girl pants. I wear man pants. And that differentiates us. Now, if men start wearing girl pants and Then we might start having a problem, hallelujah. But it's amazing to me some of the stuff, hallelujah, that these people create. Because watch this. They never extract the principle. They never get in his presence. Watch this. So all they do is read the Bible and come up with more practices and more practices. And watch this. And now you can't have a beard. You can't have a beard. There's some churches out there right now that if I came in the door after they invited me to preach and they see my beard, they say, you can't preach here. And I'm amazed. I'm like, what do you mean I can't preach here? Jesus had a beard. They pulled his beard off, the Bible says. They have no Norelcos in Jesus' day. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's foolish. That's nonsense. The anointing flows from the head and down to the beard for crying out loud. They had beards. The Pharisees had beards, religious as they were, they had beards. The priests had beards. It's amazing to me. And I'm sorry, the women get it worse than the men. They do. They sure do. I don't care. They sure do. The men could put on a brand new suit, but the woman has to look like somebody just finished mopping the floor with her hair. It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. They don't like me. If they're watching me on Periscope, I ain't scared of none of y'all either. I'm pulling those roots out in the name of Jesus so somebody can get free in Jesus' name. hallelujah hallelujah that ain't freedom that's torture they make you do it for their approval if you're doing it for man's approval it ain't God God help me in here If God changes you you from the inside, it will reflect on the outside. Oh, yes, it it will. I will not need to draw that much attention to myself if I've really been changed from the inside. I'll start dressing for Jesus. Not for the approval of men. Hallelujah. I like when my wife dresses nice. I sure do. Let me leave that alone. Can I just submit to you, can I have two more minutes listen? Veil practice, veil practice. Some of you are not familiar with veil practice, but veil practice began in the Old Testament. Just in case you didn't know, veil practice began in the Old Testament. Even to this day, brides wear a veil. I don't know that most of them know why they wear it, but I know they wear it. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was a reason the bride wore a veil. It's beyond this generation because this generation just can't wait. But there was a reason. Can I give it to you real quick? When a bride wore a veil, you got to hear me in the spirit. When a bride wore a veil, amen, she was letting that man know that was coming down the aisle. You ain't ready for this glory. You ain't. Hear me in the spirit. You ain't ready this glory until you come up here and say I do when you say I do then you're ready and then the veil is lifted you don't hear what I'm saying in here there was a purpose amen before Jesus before Jesus watch this went down into the underworld after he shouted it was finished and gave up the ghost on the cross before he went down into the underworld and preached a revival and before a tomb started popping open and dead men started walking and before he showed himself to Mary as a gardener and walked through the wall of where the disciples were hiding before he did all that he tore the veil First, From the top to the bottom. Because he could not wait for you to get in. And he really couldn't wait for you to let him out. The veil is taken away in Christ. And now if you are in Christ. You don't have to do all this. You don't have to observe all these things to qualify for what's behind the veil. Because he qualified you. With what he did. You don't qualify by what you do. You qualify by what he did. And he tore the veil so that you have access By his grace. His grace is more powerful than any sin you struggle with. But you have to go through religion in order for it to work. I rebuke that spirit. We ain't done, church. I'm going to talk to you next week. I can't even wait. I can hardly wait. I think I had one more point up there. Might as well just read it. I said that power is important. Let me see. Religion says, yes, here it goes. Religion says, pay attention to my activity, not my transformation. My white clothes and my white veil and my white gloves work so good you can't see my veil. I told you already, Jesus never condemns sinners. Amen, somebody. But he went off on the religious folks. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you next week. You ain't even going to believe half the stuff he says to them when I show it to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If the place don't have mercy in it, it doesn't qualify to be a church. Tweet that. If the place has no mercy in it, it does not qualify to be a church. I know, I know what the religious people are going to say. They're going to say, but doesn't judgment begin in the house of the Lord? Yes, it does. But it also says that mercy triumphs over judgment. If there ain't no mercy... When you get to the glory, when you get to the presence and the power and his person, you know what you're going to find there? You're going to find a mercy seat. You're going to find two cherubims that represent the presence of God. There's no way you can worship God for real and leave that experience judgmental. Y'all don't want to hear me preaching here. I said, there's no way you can worship for real. And leave the presence of God judgmental. Isaiah got in the presence of God and said, woe is me. For I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips. In other words, all of us lose our self-righteousness in the presence of God. You on your best day is as filthy rags to God. Who do we think we are? On your best day. Are you blessed in here church? I got to close. Watch out for a religious spirit. And the reason I say watch out is because unfortunately, that spirit has gotten into the church. Even in your New Testament, you're going to find the religious Jews trying to put heavy burdens on Gentile new converts. And tell them they have to do this and they have to do that and they have to do this. That spirit is in the church. Amen. Do not be fooled just because they speak in tongues. And don't assume they're all right just because they dance good. I like to listen, I speak in tongues and I dance with the best of them. Amen. I do it with a little limp now, but I can still do it. But you know what? I didn't grow up in the church. And it would have been nice to grow up in the church, right? But that's just not my story. Amen. And, uh, In a way, I'm kind of glad that he dealt with me the way he dealt with me because I don't know church. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. Watch this. But I remember being in the world. Can I just testify for one minute before I close? One minute. I used to shut the clubs down. Some of y'all don't see. Some of y'all look at me and y'all go... No way, pastor, not you. You couldn't handle my testimony. That's why I only give you the PG version. But I used to shut it down. Amen. There are a lot of things I'm not proud of. I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus. I'm, the, I'm, I'm, I'm a prime example of God taking a mess and turning it into a message. But I, can I testify? I remember being in the club, and I used to like to dance, too. I was pretty good, too. And Jesus came and messed me up. But <laughs> I'm originally from New York. I've been at all the clubs. Roseland, Land, Hard Rock, Studio 54, Le More East. You name the club, the Copa. I was there. They knew me by name. I have memberships in every one of those clubs. Listen to me. I remember. Because while I was acting wild, I wasn't absolutely crazy. And uh, I recall dancing. And and every now and again, someone you didn't know would come to you and aggressively dance with you. Hopefully you don't know what I'm talking about. Hopefully, my. <laughs> and this especially happens to the ladies. They'll be at the club. It's happened to me too. About be at the club, and and someone out of nowhere just aggressively comes and starts dancing with you. And if you are not crazy, right, your first impulse is like, "Who are you? Like, I don't know you." And I and I. And I said all that simply to say this. Don't automatically assume that God is impressed with your dance. Do you know him? Or is he looking at you saying, who are you? Are you blessed in here? Give the Lord a hand clap in this place. Come on, give him a good one. Come on, church.